The following sermon was preached at Tower View Baptist Church. We are a gospel-centered, relationship-driven church that exists to know, grow in, share, and serve Jesus Christ. We do all this for the glory of God. For more about us, please check out our website at www.towerviewkc.com. He's come once and he's coming again, and that is our greatest hope as Christians. Thank you, Meg. I invite your attention this morning to Philemon, Philemon, or Philemon, if you're from the South, if that's how you say it, but Philemon, uh, verses 18 through 25 this morning. If you're visiting with us, the blue Bibles in front of you, we uh, are... Uh, you are welcome to use those on page 1,000, even 1,000 is where you can find that. And as you turn, I was told that, uh, you know, I was, I was supposed to preach until it stops raining. So uh, I think it's supposed to rain through all day tomorrow, so I hope you brought some snacks, just so you know. Uh, or the deacons can sing for you uh, until tomorrow and uh, pick your poison. So, uh, no, we love our deacons. I, I keep kidding Don Harrison. He's going to sing a solo one of these days. He just doesn't know it. So that might come sooner rather than later. We've been in the book of Philemon the last couple weeks. We're finishing up that book today. Over the next several weeks, we'll be going through the, the, the book of Isaiah and looking at Christ, the incarnate Christ in Isaiah. Three weeks from now, uh, Natalie and I will be out of town December 20th. Matt Andrews, your uh, resident pest exterminator by day, youth pastor by night, We'll be giving the sermon uh, on that day. I hope you're excited for that. We'll have some more communication coming. Philemon chapter 8, or verse 18 through 25. You know, a few weeks ago, many of you heard about this, and certainly there are many stories in the same vein that I could put up here. This is just one of many that have happened and have had the same result. But uh, a young Indiana pastor and his wife, had a very tragic thing happen a few weeks ago. Many of you know where this is headed. Uh, this is a picture of Pastor Davy Blackburn, and this is his wife, Amanda. His wife, Amanda, lost her life in a home break-in. Uh, she was murdered uh, when she was awake. Uh, they took her life, and uh, they were a young couple, probably about 29, 30, very, uh, if you want to use the term, up-and-coming ministry couple in the area, very God gospel-centered group. They have a young son, Hudson, who's pictured here, who was safe. But they just apprehended the men within the last few days. Many of you heard of the story, right? Some of you have heard this story. A few of you have. But I want you to hear what the pastor had to say as we finish up Philemon about forgiveness. This is what a pastor said two and a half weeks after his wife lost her life. He said, though everything inside me wants to hate and be angry and slip into despair, I choose the route of forgiveness, grace, and hope. There's one thing I've learned from Amanda in the 10 years we've been together. It's this. Choosing to let my emotions drive my decisions is a recipe for hopelessness and fruitlessness in my life and others. Today, I'm deciding to love and to not hate. Wow. Friends, is that not a crazy statement from a worldly perspective? This was broadcast about Tuesday this week. If you watch Good Morning America or whatever you watch, this is an attitude that came from a man who just lost his wife. and something only a Christian, I think, could have. You see, the ability and capacity to forgive like Pastor Davey here is doing is something that is so crazy, only God could be the author of it. And the verses that come to mind as a pastor come from Romans 8.18. As soon as I heard this, the verse that we usually put up before this, we get really into the sermon, Romans 8.18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that shall be revealed 
to us or in us, depending on your translation. Suffering has a strange way of humbling us, doesn't it? This man lost his wife, is his, the love of his life. But the gospel makes us both humble, as you see he is, and confident at the same time, doesn't it? As we end Philemon, we're hitting the heart of the message. If you've been here the last several weeks, you know Philemon is a slave owner. Onesimus is kind of the runaway guy, and, and Onesimus has gone to Paul. Onesimus has been converted under Paul's ministry, and now Onesimus, a slave, is going to Paul under Roman law to ask him to reconcile this relationship between himself, Onesimus, and the slave owner, Philemon, both Christian. But there are big questions that come out, just as this young pastor had to ask. How does our suffering relate to our need to receive and extend forgiveness? How does God often use our most difficult hours to bring about reconciliation? And what are some practical biblical ways we can embrace forgiveness even if we are wronged to the degree this pastor was wronged? Or if you're here today and you say, no one's wronged me, pastor, but I want to be prepared. How can I be a better reconciler in my life, in my marriage, in my time like Paul was? Well, I think it starts with the big idea, and it's simply this. Very simple statement for you today. If you're in Christ, it is impossible to forgive someone if you feel superior to him or to her. This pastor, if you, from a human standpoint, would you not agree? Just maybe nod your head with this. From a human standpoint, would you not give him some grace and say he has some right to be mad at these men? And friends, I'm not saying his heart's completely you know, not angry at that point, but he is searching to remember that in Christ, he was a rebel. In Christ, he was an enemy, and that he has to forgive them even though a tragic thing has happened. And for us to be vague on this forgiveness idea is to be something that God would not have us do. What a Christian does is a Christian seeks to forgive, to be forgiven, to accept, and to extend forgiveness, just as we will see again as Paul is doing through Philemon. That's a mark of a healthy church. It's a mark of a healthy Christian. It's a mark of a healthy Christian life. So today we're going to see three pictures of God's love in forgiveness. It's going to be a little bit different organization than usual, but it's simply this. We're going to see a love that reconciles. We're going to see a love that forgives. And we're going to see a love that endures. That's what we're going to see. And that's where we'll start. If you have your Bible this morning, if you'll stand with me, we do this in honor of God's Word. We're going to read Philemon chapter 1, verses 17 through 25, or just simply verses 17 through 25. As we end this out, this is a time where this holiday season, many of you may struggle with this very topic of forgiveness. This may be the hardest time for some of you as you look towards Christmas and all the, the lights and the glamour, but when all that fades deep in your heart, you may feel that, boy, I need to be forgiven or I need to extend that forgiveness. I pray this message would speak to you in that way today. Philemon 17 through 25. Paul says, So if you consider me your partner, receive him, that's Onesimus, as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self or your very own self. Yes, brother, I want something of some benefit from you in the Lord, so refresh my heart in Christ. And confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers, I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you. So do Mark, and our, I always mess this one up, 
Aris, Turkus, that's way off, Demas, Luke, and my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with your spirit. May God bless the reading, hearing, and doing of his word. Let's go before the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, I thank you that though the pastor sometimes can't say names right, Father, you never miss our names. Father, your names are written in your heart, so to speak, Lord, through Christ, through the Spirit, through the, through the, the saving grace of your hand. Father, I pray this morning as we continue to close out the, the last several weeks of study of short books of 2 John, 3 John, Philemon, the marks of a gospel-centered church and, and life. Father, that if there is anyone in here that, Lord, maybe this message hits home again. Maybe this is another forgiveness message. Maybe this is a new thing that's happened this week. But, Father, give us wisdom as we study. It's not my words. It's not uh, a slick presentation that will do that. It's your spirit moving among us. So we would pray, Lord, that your spirit would quicken us, Lord. Your spirit would show us our need for grace. It would illumine the, the words before us. Father, thank you so much that you have come to us as the God-man in your Son. But it wasn't just about your birth. It was about the life, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and the coming again that is hopefully very soon. Father, we pray for this all in Jesus' name. Thank you for each one here. You know the needs we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We'll first start out with love that reconciles. Love that reconciles. Seven things here we'll put up on the screen. These are short little pithy points, but I, I think they're very hope, helpful, hopefully, to you as you go through. We've seen that Philemon and, and Paul and Onesimus are, are trying to get this all together. Philemon, we don't know all the circumstances, but we know that Philemon was a slave owner Onesimus at some point. Onesimus ran away. Onesimus goes to Paul. He gets converted. He becomes a brother. And Paul has been working this up all the time. Remember, Philemon, he is your brother. Reconcile with him. Reconcile. And so he kind of lands the plane here in the conclusion of the letter with these three things, with these three points. First, love reconciles. If you're here today and you say, Darren, I'm not going through any time right now that I need to extend forgiveness or be forgiven. But isn't it true that often when you say things such as that, that something happens? Someone often says, I'm not going through a hard time, but you know the old saying, if you're not in a hard time, you're going to be going through one, or you may just have come through one. Seven, hopefully, practical, biblical things, principles we can take from this passage. First, a love that reconciles spends itself for others. You spend yourself for others. Verse 17, if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. Paul was willing to put his relationship with Philemon on the line for the sake of this other brother, Onesimus. This is the first time, if you want to uh, get the command behind it, this is the first time Paul gives a direct command. Verse 17 is, a, is an imperative, it's a command. He says, welcome him. Let him in. Welcome Onesimus. And then in verse 18, he gives the special factors that make this request difficult. Paul, again, knows everything that's going to happen here. He knows that this is going to be a difficult thing for Philemon. So in verse 18, he gives that second command. He says, if he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. If I were to give you this snazzy credit card that I have in my wallet here, and the credit line is not very big, and I said, go spend whatever you want to spend, you would look at me crazy, but if I said go, I hope you would go, right? And you're going to pay me back later? Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that one as well. But Paul gives an open blank check here. He says, look, whatever he's done, whatever he did to you in the past, charge it to me. 
my relationship with you in Christ and your relationship with him in Christ is more important than whatever may come of my uh, image, my, my uh, face value, whatever it is. Paul says he will pay whatever Onesimus owes. Paul is doing what he understood Christ did for him. Do you see the gospel in there? Do you see how while we were far off as sinners, Christ did the exact same to us? When Christ was born, he became a man, lived fully under the law of God perfectly. He was the God-man, and he took on himself the punishment that we deserve. It is, in a sense, what Paul is using here is a picture of the gospel. God the Father looked at the Son, and the Son said to the Father, Whatever they've done, charge it to me. Whatever they may have done in the past, in the present, in the future, charge it to me. And if you're not a Christian here today, we are so happy you are here. So glad you are here. And that is the message that we have, is that God raised this baby in the manger, become the God-man from the dead. And he overpowered death that all who trust in him would believe and know the truth of the gospel. And friends, that is what Paul says. He says, if you want a love that reconciles, it starts by spending yourself, by putting yourself out there. And Paul calls on Philemon to forgive Onesimus as he has been forgiven in Christ. Christian, if you're here today, to love is to give yourself to one another. You know, I, I, we've harped on this so much in the pulpit the last several months, but we do not live in a, 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 a church here at Tower View that is all about you. It's not about you and Jesus getting your own thing going. It's about you and the body of Christ working together. And sometimes it is hard, isn't it, to lay your life down and say, you know, even if it means my name, if it brings brother and sister together, that's what I want. That's what I want. Love gives, but lust takes away. And Paul had nothing but love in his heart when he said, look, whatever happens here, give it to me. Don't be a go-between, though. Sometimes, you know, I don't know, maybe you know someone like this, but there's sometimes people in churches that like to help other people so they can hear the gossip of the church. Have you ever heard, known people like this? They want to be involved in everything so they don't miss a beat about anything. Friend, don't be that way. Don't be that way in the relationship. Don't be a go-between or a help for your own personal gain. I was in a church that remained nameless. It's local, but I, I, a man became a member of a church. He was a businessman. And after church, after every Sunday, he'd talk to people and talk to people. And I started noticing cards would come out of his hand. He would just start selling business right there on the spot. You know why he joined the church? Because he wanted his clientele to go through the roof. Don't do that. Don't do that. That's not good. That's not good in any way. But sometimes you've got to spend yourself for others in a humble way. Second thing here is you must be willing for the sake of a relationship to make a gutsy call. Look at verse 19. Paul boldly reminds Philemon of his indebtedness to him. Look back at verse 19. He says, I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it, I, Paul, to say nothing of your owing your own life to me. Paul had converted not only Onesimus, the runaway slave, he had also converted over Philemon at some point to come to know Christ. And Philemon says, look, I'm calling you out, Philemon. If you don't accept Onesimus, remember who led you to the Lord. I, it's not a prideful thing on Paul, but what he is doing is he's putting in perspective Onesimus' debt to Philemon like Philemon's debt to Paul. And friends, we should use our own personal example. Sometimes we have to make that gutsy call. Sometimes you may know, church member here, that someone is at odds with someone else. 
And look, you don't just jump in everyone's business, but maybe prayerfully, God may put you in a place where he may use you to be that go-between, to be that one who says, look, I love you both, but for the sake of our relationship, for the church, it is better if I call it out and say, you need to ask forgiveness and you need to forgive. And that is kind of what Paul is doing here right now. We must call on people to forgive. It is easier to pray, forgive me of my sin, than it is easier, or harder to pray, rather, forgive me of my pride, my lust, my greed, and my self-centeredness. Sometimes we have to make the gutsy call with people to say, look, you've had this grudge way too long. You've held this over that person's head way too long. They, uh, whatever it is, Paul made the gutsy call. And friends, sometimes in your families, parents, don't you have to make the gutsy call? Sometimes at holiday season, you have to be the peacemaker between two people debating certain things because of the relationship. And so Paul had to make a gutsy call. I lay it on the line, my relationship, to see you reconciled, Onesimus and Philemon. Third thing you notice here, quickly, is that he says to be reconciled, this sounds selfish, but he's, you must remind of the benefit to yourself. Look at verse 20. Paul calls on Philemon to forgive because it would benefit Paul. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Doesn't that sound selfish of Paul? I mean, think about that. Doesn't it sound selfish? It's almost like if I walked down to you, instead of saying, I want your credit card, I want you to give me your money right back. Would you, is anyone want to do that right now? Some of you are smiling. I'll come to you afterwards. But to refresh me means that he gives himself the opportunity to forgive. Paul's saying, look, I will be refreshed. I will be stronger in the Lord, Philemon, when you allow this forgiveness to happen. It will benefit me as your brother. It will benefit me as your leader of the church. It will benefit me as the, the way to bring joy back to this relationship. And isn't it true that one of the surest paths to joy is to say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? That's hard to do. But what Paul says here is he, he just lays it out. He just basically says again, refresh my heart. He's called on Onesimus. No matter how hard it is, you're going to go to him, and you're going to say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And he's calling on Philemon the same to say, I accept that forgiveness. Friends, sometimes the forgiveness starts with just knowing the right words to say. You know, uh, there was, I, in preparation for the sermon, I looked this up. I, I, I just typed in chain letter forgiveness statements on Google. Do you know you can actually pay people to write forgiveness letters to your spouse or to your employer or fill in the blank just with about $20 out of your bank account? Now, I pray, if you need that inspiration, start with the Bible. Don't pay $20 to some guy out in wh who knows where. But do you realize that it's not the magic of the words as much as the intention of the heart? Paul knew that Onesimus could just ask forgiveness, and it would be that simple. There wasn't some formula. There wasn't some thing there, but it was the intention that he knew he sinned against God, and he knew that he had to be reconciled horizontally now to his brother. Have you prayed if you're the one who needs to ask for forgiveness for the right words to say, the most sincere words to say, have you done that? I think you see fourthly in verse 21 that to be a reconciler, you have to express trust in the one you forgive. Look back at verse 21. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. 
Friends, I think sometimes in the church we're a little hesitant to ask people to do things, especially from a pastoral perspective. I know there's always a balance there. We are not commander-in-chiefs. We're not CEOs of the church. But I think sometimes in the church we're a little sheepish in asking people to do things. And I think in forgiveness we're the same way. Paul says to Philemon, depend on God. Depend on him and express your desire to see this uh, relationship restored. And what he tells him here is simply this. He says, look, I'm confident, Philemon, that you're going to do the right thing. I am confident that no matter what he's done to you, that you are now in Christ and you will do the right thing to him. And friends, that is exactly what we need to pray. When we are a reconciler, a go-between between two people, you need to express to one of them and say, look, you know Christ. You have the spirit of the living God dwelling within you. You have the ability to forgive. Will you just ask for that forgiveness? I'm confident that you'll do that. Parents, grandparents, you probably do this all the time. When you ask that your son or your daughter go pick something up, you are confident of their obedience, right? Some of you smirk at that. Ask my son about picking up his food. He likes to spill all over the floor. But friends, this relationship was more than just a a parent. This is a brother to a brother. He's confident that because he knows the Lord, he will do the right thing. He expresses the trust in the one to forgive. But you must sometimes be a reconciler. You have to help build relationships of forgiveness. Look back at verse 22. He says, at the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I'm hoping that through your prayers, I will be graciously given to you. In verse 22, Paul reminds Philemon that they will have a continuing relationship and reminds him of this church as well. Paul doesn't just say, I'm done with you, Philemon. As soon as Onesimus gets back, I'm done with you. Paul says, no. The forgiveness that starts here, Philemon, is something that will be a relationship for the rest of our lives. And many of you in this church can look back on times when something has happened, especially in the walls of the church, that has hurt you that has been very hard for you, and you have made peace with that person and the Lord, you look back on that, and I pray, and I think you'll know this, that relationship is stronger, isn't it? Husbands, you know that you are to be the best reconciler of your marriage. Even if your wife is completely wrong, and sometimes, wives, that does happen. Even though husbands do it 99% of the time, you still do it sometimes 1% of the time. Husbands, you are to help build that relationship of forgiveness. You are to be the one to be the reconciler, the go-between between those things. And that's why family is an important place to practice reconciliation. If you have young kids, start them young with asking forgiveness from their brother or sister. You know, Scarlett likes to go up and pull on Simeon's ears. Uh, that's her thing right now, and hit him on the head, and do all sorts of things. And we have to say, Scarlett, you know, for, do all those sorts of things. Friends, but it, build that relationship with forgiveness. Number six, be an example of forgiveness. Be an example of forgiveness. Look at verse 23. He says, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ, sends greetings to you. Paul presents himself as an ample example of forgiveness. Paul reminds of his reconciliation to Philemon that it started with him being a prisoner to the Lord now. Remember, Paul was killing Christians. Paul was murdering, giving the orders to do that. And now, all of a sudden, he is the one who's in prison for the Lord, who's been forgiven of his spiritual debt, is asking for a physical relationship to be restored. Friend, would others say, if they were to look at your life, that you are an example of forgiveness today? Would others look at you and say, you know, that's a person who forgives? Now, isn't a doormat just for people to walk over, but it is not someone who's going to hold a grudge against me for the rest of your life? We want to be the kind of Christians here at Tower View 
that are kind, that are not feeding divisions and are, as Jesus said, the peacemakers of this earth. Last point of this one is simply this. You want to be a reconciler, remind that person who needs forgiveness or needs to receive forgiveness of the grace of Christ in their lives. Friends, it all starts there. Look, sometimes you're going to have situations come your way and you don't know what to do. Point it back to Christ. Parents, you're going to have things that come in your view of uh, parenting even after kids are out of the home. Point it back to Christ. Pray for them. Ask God to work in them. Ask God to work through them because that's what Paul does. He ends the letter. He says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is with your spirit. Philemon, you're not doing this alone. The God who saved you is also the God that is with you. You know, I read about a family, about a, a family that uh, about 40 years ago, 44 years ago, in 1971, James Harris, down in Arkansas. I think Carlos is in Arkansas this weekend, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, he is. Someone's in Arkansas. I knew that. You know, and he read that this man who is very bitter ran this ad in the newspaper. It's up here. He says, wanted a needy family for a single father and his son to spend Christmas with. Apparently, according to the news of the day, this ran across all the news stations, radio, print, uh, color TV back then, and all these cards poured in, and what got the most attention was a long-distance phone call from his former wife, and life for both of them had not turned out how it was. She was a single mother. She hadn't found a job. She's in California, not making ends meet. He's in Arkansas with his son, and he got this letter or this call from his wife, and his wife said this, I decided that you were more destitute as anyone. Let's get back together. And the four of them spent Christmas together. She, they had another son and ended up becoming a family as, as the car salesman and the former wife got remarried in that time. Isn't it amazing how sometimes when you ask for the most help, when you put out a classified ad, as it were, to get help, that, friends, the best help is sometimes right around the corner with the people you know the most. If you are struggling with forgiveness this morning of someone, have you talked to another Christian brother or sister about it? Have you gone to them and said, you know, brother, I'm really struggling with this. This happened to me, and they may not, the other party may not even know it, but I just know that we can do this together. Maybe that's where you need to start, because sometimes the most needy family is our own. The most needy family is our own. Friends, that's the first one. That's the, mo- that's the largest point there. Love that reconciles. Let's move on. What about a love that forgives? How do we do this forgiveness thing? How do you, how do you become the one that uh, can accept forgiveness? Because let's be honest here. Some of you may not have trouble extending forgiveness, saying I'm sorry, but many of you may struggle with the fact that you receive forgiveness. You know, you hear this quite often. Luke, I'm sure you guys might have heard this too. How could God ever save me? I've, uh, I've messed up so much. My sin is so terrible. How could God... Maybe that's how you feel this morning with the relationship you have in your life. Let's see what the Bible says about that. Second point, love that forgives. How do you become one that accepts that forgiving love? First off, and this may be hard, but you need to be easy to approach. Easy to approach. You need to allow your affections to be easy and to be led. Friends, sometimes in forgiveness, we must give the benefit of the doubt to those whom you love and trust. If someone in this church does something so out of character for themselves, maybe the question is, boy, what is going on in their life? What is something that's happening in their life? Maybe it's a call or a prayer or or something that needs to happen. Because sometimes, are you willing to forgive the small sins just as you are the big sins? 
You know, I, I was at a church one time, and I won't name it, it's local, it's not the former church I came from, but there was a man who dropped, he, he habitually left his coffee cup out. This drove the coffee, Steve Brain, I'm looking at you, the coffee maker, crazy. Every week, this church member would leave the cup of coffee off, half drank, lipstick on there as a lady, and just drove this guy mad. And I remember this as a young Christian. He came up, and he said, I was pastor of the church, he said, Pastor, I just, I'm getting so mad this person won't take their cup away. And I said, have you talked to her about it? He said, no, because she'll get mad at me. You know, sometimes you've got to be willing to let those small things slide for the sake of the body. Love that forgives. Second thing, and I think you see this in Paul and Philemon, we've got to humble ourselves. 1 Peter 5 says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and at the appropriate time, he will lift you up. When Paul was writing to Philemon, he had to humble himself. You remember that from last week? Paul had the authority. Uh, he could have been the iron fist. Uh, Mitch Schiffer, many of you know him, posted this on Facebook this morning. He said, Darren, Paul was like an iron fist with a velvet glove. Isn't that a good illustration? He could have come in just guns blazing saying, I am the apostle. Do this. But Paul had to humble himself. Philemon had to humble himself. And he had to let others be willing to help him along in the journey. Friends, you sometimes have to accept other people's attempts at reconciliation. You know, sometimes the hardest part about receiving forgiveness is that people don't know what to say. Sometimes they come to you and it's the most awkward, weird, uh, convoluted conversation you've ever had. Some of you have had those before. Maybe even with coworkers. Your boss says, you need to make up with this person. And you kind of look at them like little kids and say, I'm sorry. And they kind of say, well, I'm sorry too. Well, I guess that's that. And then you walk off. Anyone ever been there before? So you guys know these conversations. But I think as a Christian especially, we're not just, this isn't Dr. Phil forgiveness. This is Christ-like, gospel-centered forgiveness. To be one that forgives, you must humble yourself. And you must be willing to say, you have hurt me, but I'm going to accept you back because Christ has accepted me. It doesn't mean there's not consequence or pain, but it means I'm going to accept you. I think the third thing you see here of love that forgives is Paul considers the wider implications of the call to forgiveness. It wasn't just a, a man named Philemon and a man named Onesimus. It involved the local church. It involved everything about the local church. And friends, that's why nothing that you do in this church is just without not. Some of you serve so faithfully in so many areas in this church and think, does anyone ever sees me? The Lord sees you. Some of you serve up front more does anyone ever see me? The Lord sees you. But when it comes to forgiveness, your forgiveness of someone else, accepting it or, or, or extending it, may be the glue that holds a church together. It may be the glue that God uses to make someone stronger in Christ. And the way you treat one small sin in that life will build the way that when you are offended sometime later in life that you have paved that road. You have paved that road. Fourth thing you see here under this point, there's a lot of points today. But he says, maintain close relationships. Look back at verse 22. He says, at the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I'll be graciously given to you. Friends, this is why in this church, if you want to be showing a love that forgives, you must have close relationships in this church. Invest yourself in getting to know one another. Invest in, in, in that cultivating of knowing other Christians where they are. 
it's hard, isn't it? It's hard to do that. Even as uh, even eight months in, we feel like we there's just so much we can get to know, and it's a lifelong journey. But Paul still has a love that forgives, maintains close relationships. Again, Paul just didn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. He said, look, I'm going to come see you, God willing, sometime. I want to see you later on. And that's what Christ's relationships do. That's what they should do. Above all, fifthly, remember the gospel. Remember the gospel. Friends, this whole book is about the gospel. This whole book is about God reconciling man to himself and calling man to reconcile with other men. You know, many of you know the story of Peter. He went up to Jesus and said, Jesus, if my brother sins against me, how many times must I forgive him? And what did Peter say? Seven times. And Jesus said, what in response? I do not say seven times, Peter, but I say, how many times should you forgive them? Seventy-seven times, yeah. So seven times seventy, yeah, in that sense. Jesus said there's no limit to the forgiveness we should extend. No limit to that forgiveness. Friends, we are called to be have complete humility. We are called to remember that Christ has forgiven us past, present, and future. And whatever may come our way, that God's forgiveness is enough in your life to extend and receive it from others. Consider how you have been forgiven by God. I mean, think about it. I would test you to do this this week. Take five minutes, five minutes, and see how many things pass through your mind that are not godly. And see how long you can sin, not sin. Now, some of you are going to come and say, Darren, I did it for 20 minutes and it worked out. Praise the Lord if you don't sin for 20 minutes. But friend, I bet you that God has forgiven us of things we know and don't know so many times in our lives. Aren't you grateful for that? Aren't you grateful that God just doesn't look at us and zap us down for every bad thing we do? But isn't that how most people view God? Is that God is the cosmic killjoy in life and that he just wants to take that bug zapper and say, man, he just, he didn't... Put his coffee cup up. He's gone. He's gone. Boy, guys, we wouldn't have a population left if that were the case. Remember the gospel. It is the impetus. It is the reason. It is everything that we do for forgiveness. For forgiveness. You know, Amy, I skipped that last point. But, you know, it reminds me of an illustration I heard about a guy named Joshua Cohen. Uh, He was an inventor in the late 1800s, and he was way too creative for most people. He invented an electric doorbell, electric fan, and lighted flower pots. Well, no one liked the doorbell. They thought it was annoying. No one liked the uh, fan. It didn't work very well. And no one really caught on to the uh, lighted flower pot idea back in the late 1800s. So he hired his good friend, Conrad Hubert, because he thought the lighted flower pots had potential. So they went with this idea, and Hubert soon bought the the parts from Cohen, and he reconfigured some of it, and he eventually created a thing called a flashlight. Isn't that amazing? It looked just like that. And eventually, Cohen saw the value of recycling parts from unsuccessful ideas, and he would take small motors and put them in fans, and he eventually made a better fan than his friend. And he eventually made a doorbell that wasn't so repressive when you click ding dong or whatever it was crazy and he also made if you're into trains the Lionel train sets many of you have those as kids this was the inventor of the Lionel trade sets but he had this to say not a Christian but he had this to say it always caught my attention he said let yourself be inspired by the creativity of two men who converted really bad ideas into unbelievable success and that's exactly what happened in that case 
Friend, aren't you grateful that God is one that has taken really ridiculously bad people like ourselves, sinful people, and has turned them into successes because of his grace? And if you're here today, and you say, I am far beyond the reach of forgiveness with God, and I'm far beyond the reach of forgiveness of this person, would you step, take a step back and realize that God saved you not when you had it all together. God saved you not when you had your, your ducks in a row, your bank account in order, your Sunday best. God saved you because he saved you because he loved you for his glory. God saved you because he saved you because he loved you from eternity past. Not because of anything he saw you would do, but because of who he is and his character of who he is. He took the unforgiveness, the hate, the malice, and made us into his image because he took those unsuccessful bad things and created us into good things as we live after Jesus Christ. If God can forgive that, can we not extend the olive branch, so to speak, to those who need forgiveness in our lives? Paul did that with Philemon and Onesimus. Last thing, love that reconciles and love that forgives. Friend, and love that endures is last. Friends, I just want to remind you that this is a hard topic. Boy, this is hard. This is a hard topic. For a Christmas season, this sounds like an odd thing, but really, it's very practical. Many of you had Thanksgiving on Thursday, and that was a very tough day for you. You have a strange family members you see and you make peace with just over turkey, and you go on, but you mumble about them when they leave. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe you don't. Maybe you say it to yourself. Maybe you have great family. Praise God, but I want you to know that this love that we're talking about is something that's going to be cultivated by God's Spirit over a lifetime. And I just want you to remember this application point. As you seek this type of forgiveness in your relationships, as you've been forgiven by God, the world has provided no cheerleaders on the way to holiness. The world has provided no cheerleaders on the way to holiness. This is a tough road, and there are brothers and sisters cheering you on, but for the most part, this is something that you will work through by God's Spirit as you struggle in your soul maybe to extend or to receive that forgiveness. But what happened with these other people? Did they get together? Did they forgive each other? Did they have the Kodak moment? I, you know, I asked the youth this morning, I, I think, I mentioned Kodak moment. They looked at me, some of you older folks, and said, what is a Kodak and what's a Kodak moment? <laughs> you know, some of you need to look at your history. But did they have this picture perfect Kodak moment where Philemon runs up to Onesimus and they hug and the crescendo background music goes off and it just, friends, we don't know. We really don't know, to be honest with you. History tells us that Philemon became a pastor. Tradition says he was martyred for his faith. Onesimus also was probably martyred for his faith. Did they reconcile before? You know, I really believe that they did. We can't speak to silence in scripture. I don't have a magic wand. But, you know, I believe they did. I believe they came t together. We can hope and pray for that. But how could these two men who were so far apart give themselves to callings to die for the faith unless there was something that happened through that relationship? What about these other people in the verses? I mean, Paul, what happened with him? He was beheaded for his faith. Many of you know that. What about Luke, who he mentions here in the last few verses? He went on to write half the New Testament. Uh, Luke and Acts, the books, historical books of Luke and Acts. What about Mark? The Mark here mentioned, many of you Bible scholars know this. Mark was working with Paul in Acts, middle part of Acts, and what did Mark do? He went away. He ran away. He was so upset and mad at Paul. You're crazy, Paul. We can't go share the gospel with these guys. And yet Paul 
shows even again forgiveness here. He's riding with the mark who ran away from him and left him to go out by himself into the cities. What a testimony of grace. I'm going to try and say the A guy's name. Well, can we just call him Adam? <laughs> he also became a pastor, most likely, and was martyred. Epaphras, who he mentions here, was a faithful companion to Paul and led the church in Colossae before he was mur- martyred. But there's one man here, Demas. You see Demas mentioned there. By most commentators believe this is the same Demas that Paul writes about in 2 Timothy that said he loved the world so much that he turned the back on his faith. He deserted Paul because his love for the world and his love gave up. Friend, he may not have been reconciled to God. First off, this man could have been someone who honestly, who just played the part but never truly knew Christ. But can I ask you a second application point as we close? Have you slowly begun to see things differently than how God sees them today? All these people mentioned here were part of the church. All these people mentioned here were loving, enduring love that Paul had shown to them and God had shown to them. But one man, Demas, went off on his own. Loved the world so much that he went off on his own. And friends, if you're here today and you say, I have so much sin in my heart, but I'm mad at God. I'm mad at God because this happened, that happened, this happened. I prayed for this. He gave me that. My life is in shambles, Pastor. What do I do? Friend, if you begin to see things differently than God does, if your offenses, your sins are less sinful in your eyes than they are in God's eyes, then, friend, I would pray. I would pray that you seek the Lord, you repent, and accept the love that we heard in the Advent. Remember, there were two thieves on the cross, weren't there? What did the first thief do? You're dumb, Jesus. Stop. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, throw out anything you can think bad. We used to have a little bit recorded. And one thief saw it differently. One thief saw his shame and his sin, and he went to Christ. And what did Christ promise him? Tomorrow? Yesterday? You'll be with me in paradise? Today. You'll be with me in paradise. Friends, if you're here today and you are a Christian and you have walked in sin and you just think, God, you're so mad at God, can I encourage you to seek after the Lord who saved you? Can I encourage you to not be the Demas of this relationship and accept the forgiveness of Christ in your life? If you're not here today and you're a Christian, you need that forgiveness. There's no other hope except through Jesus Christ. End with this story. How many of you have ever heard the name John Bunyan? I know that's not the maker of Funyuns, but by, by the way. Many of you, uh, John Bunyan, Pilgrim's Progress. Has anyone ever read that book before? A few hands. Wow, I'm actually impressed. That's good. That's more than most churches. You know, John Bunyan was a Baptist preacher in the 1600s, put in prison because he preached the gospel. And he was put in prison for that. How would that make you feel if you just got thrown in prison for mentioning Jesus? Would you be bitter or, or anything? I, I don't know. But Bunyan wasn't bitter. He took it as an opportunity to write the book Pilgrim's Progress, which is about a guy named Pilgrim as he goes through the Christian life. And if you have not read it, there's a movie version. You can watch the movie. There's a kid's version. You can watch the kid's version. It's all good. But just watch it, okay? It's a movie recommendation. And during this time, God made him write this book Pilgrim's Progress, which has sold outside the Bible the most books ever in the English language. Bible's up here at the top. Second most sold ever is Pilgrim's Progress. And it's about a guy named Pilgrim who faces temptations and trials, forgiveness, unforgiveness, uh, the pit of despair. I mean, some of you who know the book can, can rattle this off better than I can. You know, I've read it. 
But one thing, or he, he named Christian, thank you. He's a pilgrim who's named Christian. But one thing after he got out is Bunyan had a choice to make. Will he be bitter because of the 12 years or will he be not? And he decided to accept the fact that this statement will say, and it's up on the screen for you. No child of God sins to the degree as to make himself incapable of forgiveness. Wow. He forgave the captors that put him in there, even though they shouldn't have been forgiven. And one of the days after Bunyan got out, he found that a father who he had helped lead to the Lord was at odds with his son, 40 miles away. And the young, uh, the father asked the the man, to uh, Bunyan, to go and help him reconcile with his son. So he did that. Bunyan rode 40 miles in the pouring down rain, even though it was in, in, in England. And eventually, he helped pave the way for reconciliation. But do you know what happened almost two months later in his life? He died as a result of a cold that he developed that eventually became all these bad things as a result of helping a father reconcile with his son. Friends, sometimes... Reconciliation, forgiveness, and enduring love is costly, isn't it? It's very costly. Friends, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, the biggest cost you have to make is deciding, is Jesus who he said he was or is he not? If you are a Christian here today, are you working towards reconciliation in your life? Maybe you don't have anything like that. But are you praying now that God would prepare your heart that when those times come, you would be readily available to accept and be forgiven? Because in Christ, it's impossible to forgive someone if you feel superior to them. Let's go before the Lord in prayer today. Father, I thank you for this day. I'm losing my voice, Lord, but I just thank you for this day and opportunity we have. Lord, a different type of sermon than usually given at Tower View. But Father, a sermon that definitely reminds us of our need and has reminded me of my need this week as pastor to seek those reconciliations. Father, I pray for anyone in this church who is really struggling with just forgiving. Father, would you give them grace? We don't take that lightly. We don't pass that over. We don't just say, oh, it's just a check mark to do. But, Lord, it is something you take seriously. Would you give them grace in that way? Father, for those who need to accept forgiveness this morning, who don't feel worthy or don't feel able or don't feel whatever, Lord, I just pray that they would learn to accept that forgiveness, even if it's hard. And, Lord, it is hard. Father, if there's any here today who don't know Christ, and I'm sure there are, that you would open up hearts and minds, draw people to yourself. Father, thank you for this picture of the gospel that, Lord, we were estranged from you, but yet you said you'll take it all on yourself. Father, thank you that in Christ, in Christ alone, by faith in your Son alone, we are saved through grace for your glory and the advancement of your kingdom. Lord, we love you. Thank you for this time. We Different service today, different times, but Lord, as a rainy day continues on, Father, I pray you just put in our hearts and minds. Maybe it's sin before you, maybe it's sin to one to another. Show us, help us to reconcile it. Help us to know through Christ all things are possible. We thank you for this and pray in Jesus' name.